Hello, everyone. This is Mike Epstein, and welcome to Speaking of the Arts. We have a very, very special guest today, and you're going to learn a lot. Uh, my guest is Eric Gensler. Eric is currently the president of Capacity Interactive, a digital marketing consulting firm for the arts whose clients include some of the country's leading arts institutions, including Pacific Northwest Ballet, the Goodman Theater, the Kennedy Center, and Jazz at Lincoln Center. In addition, Eric founded Digital Marketing Bootcamp for the Arts, a two-day conference each October in New York City. Eric has presented sessions and keynotes on digital marketing for conferences and organizations including Opera America, the League of Resident Theaters, Tessitura, Dance NYC, the Gamification Summit, the Arts and Business Council, National Arts Marketing Project, and New York Foundation for the Arts. He has guest lectured at Yale, Columbia, and NYU, and has been featured on the Carnegie Mellon Arts and Technology podcast series and webinars. Eric, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Really looking forward to our conversation here. Let's just dive in with a little bit of your background. Can you um, tell us the story of how you came to found Capacity Interactive and maybe before that what you were doing uh, that kind of brought you to that point where you started it? Sure. Um, so in college, I studied economics and communication. I was always sort of had this um, left brain, right brain thing where, you know, I, I wanted to be quantitative, but I also wanted to be creative. Um, so studying economics and communication with a, with a focus in theater, um, I graduated and I, and I went down the easy route um, for my school. I went into management consulting because that was recruited right out of school. I went to Northwestern and uh you know, worked in this management consulting firm. And what was amazing about working in a management consulting firm was they they really invest and train um, their staff. And so the first, before you even start working, you go to this two-week training session where they just teach you how to use Excel and they teach you how to use PowerPoint, you know, all those really practical things that school doesn't teach you. And they teach you how to do statistical analyses. Um, and so, you know, I realized after a while consulting wasn't for me. It, it was sort of too analytical um, we were working with big businesses, which I, I wasn't really passionate about, and I always had this love of the arts, and you know, I went from there to, to being a page at NBC, where I actually, I don't think many people know this, but um, I, I gave tours of Rockefeller Center, and uh, going from this, you know, white-shoed consulting firm to making $20 an hour wearing a, a, a peacock tie was definitely a, a big transition, but um, I thought the page program gave me a lot of experiences in show business, Um and, uh, you know, we were filling the, the theaters of the, the Rosie O'Donnell show and, and working backstage at Saturday Night Live. It was really fun. From there, I worked um, in various sales and marketing roles at NBC. But the arts, the, the, the performing arts and um, were, were always really my passion. And I did a lot of soul searching when I was working for NBC. And I just realized working in a big corporation wasn't for me. And I knew, you know, I, when you read all these books about you know, what color is my parachute and, and all these career guidance books, they try to you dig into what you're passionate about. And I always knew it was it was it was going to the theater. So I wanted to find a way where I could I could work in that space. And so I worked um for a company called the Marketing Group, which is now Allied Live, which um did did marketing for uh Broadway and, and nonprofits and I worked in sponsorship there, which gave me a lot of exposure to the roundabout theater company. Worked really closely with those guys. Um, and then I got a chance to work with um, Thomas Cott, who you may know from You've Caught Mail, 
who was at um, New York City Opera, and it was around the time that Gerard Mortier, the um, who sadly recently passed away, he was this um, opera director from from Europe, and he was going to come to New York City Opera, and it was um, not too far after Peter Galbraith started at the Met, and I remember this New York Times headline where it was going to be like an opera smackdown, where these two opera greats were going to have New York as their stage, and Gerard Mortier had all these amazing plans for city opera. Well, you know, if you follow the news of the arts, we, we know that didn't didn't end so well, um, and, and city opera is no longer there, but I was there during this really great time when there was a lot of excitement and enthusiasm for what Gerard was going to do, and, and you know, money to really think how City Opera was was marketing, and Thomas Cott was really supportive of this. And we actually started a podcast series, and 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 really, were, it was the early times of Facebook, and we were thinking about a social strategy, and we rebuilt our website, and we got really sophisticated with our email. So it was this great laboratory for me to explore digital marketing. Well, you know, when when we found out City Opera was in in financial trouble, Thomas went to Alvin Ailey. And um, Ailey had just received a million-dollar grant from the Doris Duke Foundation, um, and it was really focused on uh, rethinking digital marketing for Ailey. So Thomas convinced me to come there as as a consultant because I, I wasn't quite finished with my role at City Opera. So I turned my City Opera gig into a consulting gig, got the Ailey gig as a consulting gig, and um, had two laboratories in which to experiment with digital marketing. And this was like 2007, um, 2006, when you know, it was still so new. And I mean, that's amazing. That was 10 years ago. But um, we were, I think we were doing things that, that most arts organizations weren't doing in terms of really thinking about how do we aggressively grow a Facebook following? How do we, um, you know, what can we learn from social media? And, and to have this million-dollar budget in, in which to experiment and try things um, was an amazing opportunity. And I just started speaking at conferences and talking about what I was learning and, and naturally meeting new people and, and getting more consulting projects. And so that that's how Capacity Interactive was born and, and a bit about my background. That's awesome. That is quite the journey to go from the NBC page role all the way up through <laughs> consulting and then having the opportunity to really learn and experiment. That's certainly one of the things I love most about marketing and uh, that's actually also a plug for another part, podcast for our listeners, I Love Marketing. Um, <laughs> but you're spot on. I mean, it's the it's the just knowing that you know you you need to measure everything, and but more importantly, you have to keep experimenting and track what's working and what's not. And um, it's you know you'd be surprised at how much re, how many resources are out there for people who are interested in learning more about how to do all of that. And we're certainly going to get into the digital uh, market, you know, the boot camp for the arts that you founded as a great resource for our listeners. But before we talk about that, so tell us a little bit about Capacity Interactive. What what sort of a scope and services that it provides for its clients? Sure. So, you know, taking from what I learned in my background in terms of having a consultancy and and understanding how a a consulting um, company worked, um, I was sort of specific in with Capacity Interactive where I didn't want to be an agency. We don't use the term agency. And I was always um, in working with quote-unquote agencies. I found it frustrating that the person who's your account rep often wasn't an expert in, in what they were doing. They were an expert in, say, like customer service. But um, with consultants, the person who you're talking to on the phone or the person who's on your project is the expert in their field. 
And so capacity was designed that way where we don't have account teams, we have consulting teams. And um, my team is primarily from the sector in which we work where, you know, the majority of people have worked at arts and cultural organizations and have faced the same challenges that most administrators have faced. And um, we combine with that uh, some really amazing digital strategists here. When I first started the company, I was the digital strategist. Now um, that is, you know, I'm no longer the, uh, you know, the expert on everything digital here. We have people here who have really deep digital backgrounds. Um, we are really grounded in um, measurement. And so, you know, we one of the things we always say is if it's digital, measure something. So um, we have a analytics team where we do a lot of work on setting up Google Analytics and Google Tag Manager. A lot of organizations, you know, they may have Google Analytics, but it's often not collecting uh, correct data, their implementation flaws, and it hasn't been strategically implemented to actually, you know, it's like garbage in, garbage out. If you figure out what you're trying to do, with, say, for your website, then you can you know, implement Google Analytics to help you answer those questions. And so a lot of our, one big arm of our consulting projects or projects are around uh, analytics and measurement. And, and from that same team, we, we do SEO projects. So um, how, how your organization appears on Google, which, you know, I say quite a bit, Google is your homepage. The homepage of your organization, if you actually look at your analytics, I would bet, you know, less than half of visitors even see that homepage. Um, people are going from Google to a deep page within your site. So how you appear on Google is really important. So we, we do SEO projects as well. And we've also really gotten into recently A-B testing. Organizations spend so much time and money getting people to their website, but often those landing pages are, are a poor user experience. So we've started testing various elements of pages on sites. And it's amazing if you tweak certain things, language, layout, uh, button size, you can actually increase conversion rates. So if you say, okay, our goal is to, say, get a purchase or get an email sign up, you can tweak one or two things on a page and find that you can make, you know, achieve a better conversion rate just by A-B testing it. So we'll pull off 20% of traffic, give them a different landing page, and uh, see if that can beat the, the, you know, it's a champion challenger, beat the challenger, and if it does, you can change your whole site. So I think a lot of arts organizations are making website changes based on what feels good, but we want to apply more data to that. So that's our sort of analytics side. Uh, a big piece of our business is also digital advertising. Um, how do we help arts organizations reach uh, constituents? And we don't do much contextual advertising. The you know, old, sort of old-fashioned way where if people are reading about the arts, they're a good prospect for the arts. Um, that's an expensive way to buy media, particularly online. Like if you're going to buy on, on a website directly in a big major daily, you know, sometimes that's $40, $50 uh, cost per thousand where we can find people behaviorally. So if we use a provider like Google or Facebook, where instead of 40 to $50 per thousand, we're looking at $5 per thousand and it's far more targeted. So, you know, if for example, through Google, 70% of searches are happening on Google.com. Uh, the majority of people use the Chrome browser. Google Analytics is on every website. So Google knows who the best prospects are for, uh, for, for buying arts and culture in, you know, in, in whatever city. And so if we can use that data to put our ads in front of people, 
doesn't matter if you know what website they're they're on. If they're on you know the art section, or if they're on CNN, or if they're on Huffington Post, or if they're you know on ESPN. If if they're part of um, a, a real time bidding content network, we can reach them. And so, a lot of our business is using data to target people, um, and also by measuring the results of everything, we can um, see what's working. And so, rather than sort of Spraying and praying and just putting an ad out there, or buying a, a newspaper ad, or buying a, on a website that's not measuring. We set everything up to, to track conversion. So, who who viewed or clicked this ad actually bought a ticket, and then using that data to improve and to to better optimize and better target people. And there's a host of ways in which we do that. And so um, that manifests in terms of video advertising and social advertising and display advertising. And, and that's a big piece of our business is actually managing the advertising campaigns for clients. And then we have two other arms of our business. Um, the, the third is um, a digital strategy project, so helping clients with digital audits where an organization says, okay, I know this digital revolution has happened. We are still operating um, in, in a non-digital analog way. Help us get from, from point A to where we have to be. So we'll do an audit and we'll say, okay, this is what you're currently doing. Here are best practices and, and here's a path for you to evolve to, you know, your website, your, your search, your analytics, your advertising, your fundraising. How do we evolve and, and help you become a more, a more digital organization and get your content where people's eyes and ears now are? And then the um, we also do a lot of web strategy projects. So if an organization is going to launch a new website, which is a huge, huge, huge project, and it's you know those projects are as much about psychology as they are about technology. So helping an organization uh, ready itself internally um, and through research to to do a website redesign. So if you look at really big organizations, you know we've worked with uh, Roundabout Theater and Alvin Ailey, and we're now working with um, Santa Fe Opera, we work with Seattle Opera, and getting those websites launched on, you know, um, that are based in research and, and, and where the teams are really ready. So we do a lot of um, analytics work to understand what's working on the current site. It's amazing where organizations will just jump into rebuilding a website, and oftentimes when you just relaunch a website, you could actually be making things worse, um, you know, because you change so many things. And if you look at companies like like Amazon, for example, they never redesign their website. They're constantly A-B testing to just tweak things and can improve their conversion rates. If you look at you know Amazon now versus the screen grab of Amazon from three years ago, the site's not that different. There's a couple of things that change because they've A-B tested all those things. So or it feels really good to like scrap it and start over, but oftentimes you're you're not even doing your your yourself necessarily. Um, right by by scrapping and starting over. So we want to help use data to inform website redesigns and then really look at who the users are, what their challenges are, and really design redesign from a database perspective. So um, that's another piece of our business. And the, and the final piece is um, around education. And we found in – we do a, a, a study every year um, that's a digital marketing benchmark study where we interview and, re, you know, sent surveys to lots of arts organizations last year. We got 125 organizations responding, and we try to understand how they're using digital marketing, what their challenges are. And we found the the challenges um, are often around lack of internal knowledge around digital and um, inability to measure ROI. Um, and, and I think that that's also a knowledge challenge. And so that's that's really why 
I created boot camp, and this last year we launched a series called Capacity Classroom, where we offer small group workshops in our office in New York City and now around the country around different topics. So every month we do a Google Analytics workshop. Every quarter we're doing digital strategy for executive directors. We did um, a program in the fall around content creation for our organization. So that's a program I'm really excited about that we're expanding. Actually going to Seattle in next month to do an executive director session and a Google Analytics session. And there are some other cities up in the docket for 2016. And hey, if you want this program to come to a city near you, we are certainly open to those conversations. Um, so that's a long answer to a short question. No, that is that is great. Oh, yeah, you really you answered the question very well, and it's it's pretty clear Capacity Interactive is well positioned to serve the arts. One question that just came to mind: Do you guys work with um, artists directly, or is it primarily focused on larger performing arts organizations? It's primarily focused on on arts organizations, and uh, you know. We try really hard not to to, to make ourselves um, a, a, an organization that smaller uh, companies can use as well. And you know, budgets are always a challenge in the arts. So even with large organizations, you know, it's not like we're working with for-profit companies. So our our you know budgets are tight. Um, the 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 level of work that we do is very very time intensive. Very time intensive. And we are compulsive about the details, and so we almost always spend more time on a project than than we're resourced to do. And, of course, running a company in New York, that's really expensive. But we've tried to find a way to work with smaller arts organizations as well, um, and that's something we're always refining and trying to get better at. Um, you know, my expertise and, and our leadership team, expertise and frankly the people who work here come from arts organizations when it comes to artists i wouldn't say that's the same we don't bring that same level of expertise although when it comes to a lot of the challenges of a digital presence they're similar right it's how do you tell your story in a compelling way online in a modern digital way and so um you know those are challenges that artists face so i think you know there are some similarities, but that's really not an area we, we've we've delved into. Got it. Okay. Well, you mentioned digital marketing bootcamp for the arts, so let's dive in and talk about that. Tell tell me the story of how you came to found that, and ultimate and why you came to found it, and let let's hear the story. So, you know, at this point, we were a, a really small firm. It was it was me and maybe one or two other people working in. Um, you know, for a long time, I, I ran the company out of out of my my apartment, and every year I do well. Every year for the past six years, I've um, done this charity bike ride. It's called AIDS Life Cycle, and we cycle from uh, San Francisco to Los Angeles, and it's it's one of the largest AIDS fundraisers in the world every year. I think last year it raised like sixteen million dollars, and so you basically sit on a bike for seven days riding through beautiful California, and after the third day, you just experience such a level of mental clarity that you get ideas. And actually, that's how uh, I've come up with a lot of different ideas. But um, it was the first year I did, or the second year I did the ride, I thought, you know, I've been to a lot of arts conferences. I don't feel that they are, um, I feel like there's, um, what people want is knowledge about digital marketing I want to create something that's highly curated, that is t- 
taking all the people that have inspired me to um, to, to do what we do at Capacity Interactive and um, see if they'll come speak at boot camp. Now, granted, this was in June, the bike ride, and for whatever reason, I thought it would be a good idea to do this conference in October, which gave me July, August, and September four months to, to plan a two-day conference, which, you know, now that I'm a little older I, I, and perhaps hopefully a little wiser, I don't think I would ever do again. Um, but my big idea was, you know, reading Seth Godin. And for those who, who may know me, I, I'm obsessed with Seth Godin and his book called Permission Marketing, which was written in 1999, um, you know, coincidentally, not coincidentally, the same year that the, the TiVo came out, which is related to Permission Marketing, which I'll explain. Um, the the um, permission marketing, I think, like revolutionized how um, organizations. Well, I think it, revolu- it revolutionized. That's the real permission marketing in, in, in 1999, and the idea of permission marketing is instead of trying to interrupt people with um, ads. So it's the idea you're reading the newspaper and there's a giant full page ad next to you know next to whatever you're reading or uh, watching TV and, and a car commercial comes on and you have to watch that car commercial um, in order to watch the next segment of your, your TV show. Permission marketing was more about creating amazing content and getting people loyal to your brand and what you're doing. The idea of Seth's idea around permission marketing was that, you know, people are getting more and more control over how they're consuming media. So if you have the, the TiVo, it's much harder to, to, to get people to pay attention to commercials. So it's more about building relationships with people, and if you build relationships with them, then you can eventually send a sales message in, in a way that's not as intrusive. And so it, it really, this is before Facebook even came out, it, it saw the idea of and the potential of a, a social media where brands can all of a sudden have relationships with people, and then by storytelling, you know, uh, get them closer and then eventually sell something. So permission marketing is around turning strangers into friends, friends into customers, customers into evangelists. And and I thought that idea was so brilliant and so applicable to the arts because, you know, arts is really like a leisure activity. People want to know about what's going on with arts organizations. And I thought it was like just the perfect framework for arts organizations. And so I thought, wouldn't it be great if Seth Godin could keynote the first boot camp? And, um, so I emailed him. I said, hey, Seth, I'm doing this uh, this boot camp. It's for arts organizations. Will you come speak at it? And he wrote me back, and he said, you know, email, you know, he said, call me, and he sent me his phone number. And, you know, for someone like me, that was like, I don't know who's like the biggest celebrity you can think of, like, <laughs> you know, uh, Taylor Swift saying, call me. And so I, I was so excited to, to call him. I said, Seth, I have this, this boot camp idea. We're going to have arts administrators there. Will you keynote this thing? And he said, well, my, my charge for a keynote is $30,000. And I said, and, and well. And just for some, a point of reference, this was in 2011, 2010? 2011, yeah. Okay. And, he, and I said, well, $30,000 is, is larger than the entire budget of this event, so I, I guess this won't work out. And he said, well, wait a second, make me an offer. He said, email me with an offer. He said, just so you know, like my wife and my mother really love the theater and we really love, we, we really, I, I love what you're doing. Um, so I said, great, I will email you. So a few hours later, I emailed him and said, Seth, I will get you, um, five pairs of Broadway house seats to any show you want to see in the next year or so. And he wrote back, he said, okay, deal, I'll do it. 
you just can't use my name to market the event. And I said, fine, no problem. So, you know, then I had Seth Godin and, and I found a bunch of, basically I just invited everyone I knew who I learned something from about marketing that year. Um, really all the, the people I thought were really, really smart and had something to offer. And then I had to like beg, borrow and, and steal whatever I could to get people to come to this thing. And it's actually about permission marketing where I didn't have a permission database. I didn't have a following on Facebook. I didn't have an email list. And so I had to just beg people who did to write about me or to, to forward their friends. And it was a really interesting lesson in, in how permission marketing could work because fast, fast forward to last year, our fifth boot camp, we sold out like over a month before boot camp even started. And all we did was send a few emails, post on social media, run remarketing ads, and, and send postcards to people in our universe. And so by building this list of people who care about us, all we had to do was say that we were doing this thing and, and the tickets sold. So that was my great lesson permission marketing. So um, the first year, we had 50 people. The second year, we had 100 people. The, the third year, we had 150 people. Last year was about 250 um, but next year we're going to be doing it at a venue that that can hold about 400 people. So I'm, I'm hopeful that that we could we could fill that up. That's really great. And I should mention for our listeners that they've actually heard a few people who have been past presenters at the boot camp. One is Megan Anderson. She did a fantastic episode on content marketing. And the other is Naomi Grabo from Carnegie Hall. Um, both of both of them have um, been speakers at the boot camp. So um really excited to have people learn more about this. So real quick, I mean, describe sort of like a typical session. What what can listeners expect if they've never attended it before? Well, I, I you know, having gone to a lot of conferences, I really wanted uh, um, to have a really highly curated event. Um, you know, it, it's very useful to go to conferences where you're hearing from you know, practitioners, but I often find that that leads to some people who have never presented before and, and sort of the, um, you know, their their presentations aren't as polished and the, they're perhaps, you know, um, haven't had much speaking experience. And so I really want boot camp to be, you know, theatrical in a way. That's why we always hold it in theaters. We haven't done it at conference centers. And I want the, the content to be really polished. And so we work really closely with all our presenters to make sure that the content is really speaking to a challenge that we see for arts organizations. So we sort of broadly sketch out, here's the, the topics we want to cover. And I honestly spend the entire year just freaking out about who's going to speak at the next boot camp because I want it to be so good and I want the, the, the speakers to be so good. And so, you know, in the last five years, we've had really amazing feedback. In fact, um, almost every year, it's 100% satisfaction with the speakers and the content. So, you know, that's amazing. And it also plagues me because we have to keep that record going. And so thinking about who is either a practitioner who is solving a particular problem really well or who is someone perhaps out of the arts industry that's doing something that the arts industry can learn from. And so, you know, one year we had, uh, actually he spoke twice at boot camp, this guy Ryan Davis, who worked on the social media team for the, for the Obama's campaigns. 
and he talked about how the Obama campaign um, does social media and does digital. And it was literally two weeks before Obama's um, re-election. And so it was so cool to be able to hear from him and talk about and, and learn how um, the Obama campaign uses digital tools. Um, we've had, um, you know, this year some some web designers that we work with that have, have made amazing websites are, are in really done incredible user experiences like the guys from Work and Co who we worked with on the the redesign of, of the Metropolitan Opera's website. Um, just beautiful, inspirational work, and to hear about their process and, and how they go about design and, and designing for the user experience. They spoke at boot camp this year. And then we have practitioners like um, Sarah um, Villaggio from Jazz at Lincoln Center, who, um, well, a, a common challenge we hear from organizations, you know, if you're not a dance company and you don't have beautiful dancers, um, or if you're not a destination where you have a beautiful destination to photograph, creating social content is really hard. If you're um, an orchestra or you're a jazz ensemble, how do you visualize that to to create what we call thumb-stopping imagery on social media? And you have to get really creative. And what Jazz at Lincoln Center has done really well is work is, is working on copywriting and the, the language that um, Jazz at Lincoln Center uses in their social posts is really wonderful, and I thought that was something that is really applicable to everyone. Even if you don't have this amazing visual content, you can make your language better. And so Sarah talked about that, and it was a really well-received session. Um, we've talked about, you know, having people who are really great content creators on social media come and talk about tips and tricks and tools that they use. So it goes everywhere from the, the big-picture inspirational talk um, from other industries down to the, the nitty-gritty of tips and tricks you can start when you get back into your office. And so, um, you know, it runs the gamut, but that, that's what we're looking at or looking for for, for boot camp speakers. That's really great. Yeah, well, you've sold me. I've got to attend the conference. <laughs> um, and I'll say for everyone listening, I'm going to post the link to the boot camp website you can, so you can check it out. And, Eric, when will tickets go on sale for 2016? Um, they'll go on sale in early February. So we're February. Um, yeah. So we have a, a new uh, exciting venue to announce, and um, yeah. So we're we're shooting for a, a, a February rollout, and we're actually changing the the structure this year for pricing. Um, we try to you know get the pricing as low as possible, and so the way we're going to roll it out this year is the the first 100 tickets will be discounted $200. The second 100 tickets will be I'm sorry, is that right? Yeah, the, the second 100 tickets will be discounted um, $100, and then there's some certain other ways that you can save money as well by bringing groups of people, by bringing, I'm sorry, by bringing your Super if you have, uh, if you're a nonprofit with a budget of under $10 million. Um, so we're trying to find ways to, to make the conference affordable and, you know, obviously encourage people to, to buy early. That's really great. And from what I'm hearing, it sounds like, Tickets go very quickly, which is just great. And so, again, for everybody listening, set a reminder on your calendars for early February to check out the website. We'll have the link up and uh, register if you can because, you know, I'm I'm excited. I mean, I've learned a lot, Eric, just from talking to you these last 40 minutes here. I can only imagine what it's like if you attend the conference. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, if you do want to join, go to capacityinteractive.com and, and join our email list, then you'll get an email the second tickets go on sale. Um, 
or you know, or follow us on, on on Facebook where we'll announce when tickets go on sale. Also on our website now there are some videos from PAC boot camps. Um, I don't think we've done enough to promote those, but there's still, you know, even the boot camps from two years ago, I think a lot of the content from those sessions is still really valid. And over the next year, every month we're going to release another boot camp session from this past year. So, you know, I, if who has a free hour, but if, if you can spare a free hour to, to learn something from a past boot camp, I think there, there, there's a lot of, of great stuff that we have. That's awesome. And I'll also have the link for capacityinteractive.com on the website. You can click it, you can sign up and get the alert for when the conference goes on sale. Um, well, Eric, this has been a fantastic conversation and I can't thank you enough for your time. It really means a lot that you are uh, a guest on our show here. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a, I'm a huge podcast listener and fan, so I'm really honored to to get to talk to you. Great. Well, have a great day, and uh, I want to thank everyone again for listening to Speaking of the Arts. Check out Capacity Interactive and the Digital Marketing Bootcamp for the Arts. Thanks so much. All right, Eric. Take care. Bye.